Well, hello everybody. I'm your host, Kaylin Chenoweth. And welcome to Starting Sustainability. This is a podcast for those who would like to take the next step when it comes to a sustainable future and aren't really sure how. So I started telling people that I wanted to start a podcast and their first question was, why? Why would you do that? That's a very valid question. And so I wanted to answer that. I've always been intrigued. Like when I listen to the radio shows, the personalities, the morning shows, I'm always entertained. And there are some really good ones that I'm hooked on and I can't wait to listen to them and I have to finish them before I get out of the car. And there are other ones where I'm just thinking to myself, I can do a better job than that. You are so dry and so boring to listen to. How in the world did you become a a radio DJ or a radio personality? How did that happen? And so for a long time, I kind of thought, man, I can talk for a living. I wish I could make money doing that. But I've already gone to college. I've already got my career. I've already paid off my student loans. And so I looked into getting a personality job on a radio or hosting a show and It was going to be a lot of money and a lot of time, and the pay was not really going to justify redoing that whole section of my life. Enter in the world of podcasting. So I I don't have to put a whole lot of money into a whole second college degree, and I don't have to put four years into learning that college degree. So hopefully I can figure this out enough and make this work. It's at least interesting enough to me to get going and get started. This is episode one, so this is definitely a learning process. Please be patient with me. (laughs) Maybe skip forward the next two or three episodes. Maybe I'll have stuff figured out by then. But if you do decide to continue listening to this episode, I really appreciate it. Thank you for your support. So why start this podcast, why start about sustainability? So I knew I wanted to start a podcast. I've been wanting to do this for a while. And so I was thinking about all these different topics and I was doing as much research as I could, doing YouTube videos, listening to other podcasts, talking to other people and getting their feedback, reading blogs. And the one common denominator in all of that was if you're going to start a podcast, it has to be out some about something that you are really passionate about. Be really passionate about it. And so I went through a handful of different topics. I'm passionate about a lot of things. I'm very much a a Jill of all trades and a master of none. (laughs) Or the ones that I am a master of are extremely popular. So I got to go something a little bit different. So I thought sustainability would be good. It's something that I'm, I'm getting more and more into. I'm getting more and more motivation. And I think it would be great to share my learning process with others. And hopefully that way you can learn from it as well. So what intrigued my interest in sustainability? Well, I've always done recycling growing up. And so I got a little bit of start there. I grew up in a family where we recycled. We even had the little can crusher on the wall where you could pull the lever down. That was the highlight of smashing all the aluminum cans. (laughs) Once we were done, we had the little bins out in our garage. So we'd put the cans in there and the newspaper and the plastics. We had to take all those bins uptown. I'm from a really small town, but we had to take the bins uptown to the recycling center. So 
we did not have the recycling truck that would come and pick it up for you. But it was fun to go up to the center and take what was in my little bin and throw it into the great big bin. I was a little kid, so I literally had to toss it and throw it up in there. <laughs> I don't know. It was just fun for me. It was, it was fun being a kid and getting to do that. It was an excuse to get out of the house and do something fun and, and know that you're doing something good. And other little habits that my parents instilled into me, such as turning the water off while you're brushing your teeth. I don't know if my parents' main motivation for that was to save the planet or to save on their water bill, but either way, it achieved both goals. <laughs> I do remember a shopping trip with my sister. So for, for those who are tuning in and, and don't know me personally, I am the youngest of eight children. So when I say I went shopping with my sister, she's the one I'm talking about is actually 20 years older than me. So I was in second grade. And so she was in her late 20s, I guess, at that time. And I went and stayed the night at her place. As sisters do, we got our bonding moment in. And I remember we, we went shopping. I don't remember which store we went to. We went shopping and she needed hairspray. And she grabbed a, a can of Aquanet, I think, <laughs> with the aerosol can spray. And I said, you can't do that. That's horrible for the environment. You have to get a pump hairspray. And of course, she's looking at me. What do you know about hairspray? You're in second grade. You barely even brush your hair. Nonetheless, did I style it or anything at that moment, at that point in time? But I was educated on it because we had a convocation at school. Do you guys remember that? When we'd have convocation days, that was the best because you got out of school and you all went to the gym or to the library and these guests presenters or speakers came in and they would educate you on various topics but it was great for us because we got out of the boring topics like math or spelling <laughs> but I remember a convocation where these gentlemen came in I don't remember what company they were from but I do remember that they had a whole presentation on recycling reduce reuse recycle what's good for the earth what's good for the ozone what's great for the environment and one of the things that they had talked about was getting rid of the aerosol can because it was bad for the ozone and doing the pump, the hair, the pump hairspray. So when I went shopping with my sister, I told her, you got to do the pump hairspray. And to be honest, that was a long time ago. I'm in my 30s now. And about two years ago, I was having a conversation with my sister. And she goes, yeah, I knew that you're always going to be into saving the planet because you wouldn't even let me buy the aerosol hairspray when you're in second grade and I was like what and she had told me a story I didn't even remember it so <laughs> now that it's been refreshed in my mind I'm sharing it with you and one of the last things that I can think of why sustainability has kind of been ingrained in me in my childhood I watched Captain Planet do you guys remember that Captain Planet he's our hero gonna take pollution down to zero yeah he was awesome. That TV show was awesome. It was a good cartoon. It was very entertaining and very educational. And they saved the planet. So it's all these little bits here and there. They all come together. And that's why I want to do more. It's, it's already been in me and I just I feel there's more that I can do. I just don't know what I can do. So I started this process of researching and learning and I'm learning more and I want, oh man, I want to share all this with everybody else. So as an adult with social media, 
I'm becoming more and more aware <laughs> of all the plastic issues and the and the environmental issues that are going on and it's it's getting scary out there. I found this fact by 2050, which is only 30 years away. It sounds like a long time, but it's going to come really fast. The ocean will have more plastic in it than it will fish. And I'm not going to lie, I saw that on Facebook and I thought, wow, that's crazy, but this is Facebook. So I'm not sure if that's real or not. So I did do a fact check, and that came from the Ellen MacArthur Foundation report from 2016. That was from three years ago. But yeah, by 2050, the ocean is going to have more plastic in it than fish. And that's just blowing my mind. It's like, oh, <laughs> it invigorates me. Just facts like that. They, they really just take a minute to process that. More plastic than fish. We're going to have to start getting a, <laughs> a diet that we're going to eat plastic on because we won't be able to get the fish. All we're going to be able to get is the plastic. That's crazy. I digress. So moving on. Another thing that brought me to this topic is where I work. I am actually a dietitian and I work for a company who has hired me in. I don't want to say their name because I'm not sure of the legal issues on announcing that on a podcast. So for now, I'm going to keep that hush-hush. When I find out the legal, once that's resolved, then I'm happy to share. But anyways, I work for a company, and I'm in the food service department. I'm over the cafes. This company is a factory, and they have nine. They have multiple factories, and nine of them have cafes in them. And so I've been challenged with the task to reduce the plastic in our cafes and to go zero plastic by 2030, which also sounds like a long ways away, but it's really only 11 years away. And to go completely zero plastic, there are a lot of steps involved in that, and multiple phases, and a lot of planning. I'm very excited about this project, but being assigned this project has led me to do more and more research about going zero plastic and about recycling. We do currently have a recycling program and all of our stuff is recyclable. Our entire cafe is designed for factory workers and office workers to come in, get their food, and go. So everything is in a to-go container. All of our cups are paper, but we do have the lids and the straws that go on them that are plastic. We have a salad bar and the containers that you put your salad in. Those are plastic. They're recyclable plastic. Our forks, knives, and spoons are all recyclable plastic. Our napkins are paper. We have bowls, we have, we call them clamshells, but it's basically a, a container. It's like your to-go container when you go to a restaurant, you take leftovers home where it folds over and clips in. All those are paper and recyclable. Every single thing in our cafe on the front end of house, everything that customers can take to go with them, it's all recyclable. The only problem is we have trash bins and recycling bins. Unfortunately, everything goes in the trash bin. So even though we have all this recyclable product, none of it goes into the recycling bins. I'd say maybe 5% at the most, but really none of it's going in there. And it's heartbreaking because we do all of our effort that we can and we spend the extra money to get all the recyclable stuff. Because we would definitely save a lot of money if we had styrofoam everything, but we're definitely going to kill the environment. So we have taken the extra step, the extra initiative to get all the paper and plastic that is recyclable and nobody puts it in the recycling bin. So... We are learning our lesson, 
and that's why we're trying to go zero plastic. And I'm working with facilities to get a much improved recycling program. Because even if we do get rid of all the plastic and we have compostable stuff, we still need a compostable program so that way people put it in the right bins. So we are working on that. But I'm just letting you know, <laughs> that's where this, this is also coming from me, not just my personal life, but at work. And ironically at work, my laptop at work, as probably as most, most places, our access to the internet, there are certain sites that are restricted. So I will hop on my phone and look up sites in order to do research on this. And because I looked it up on my phone and everybody is listening and everybody is keeping an eye out. We've got Big Brother, government, whatever you want to claim. So now I'm getting all of these alerts on my phone and ads on my phone. And every time I hop on, I'm just getting bombarded with all these messages about sustainability and all the things that we can do, which is great. So it's, it's an extra way of learning without having to type it into the search bar. Another reason to start this podcast, to share with you the steps of in-between. I feel most people view the extreme ends of any topic, to be honest. But in this regards, they feel that you are 100% wasteful and don't care and it's somebody else's problem and when it is a problem, we're going to be dead and gone. Or you have the extreme end of the tree-hugging hippie who lives in a tiny house off the grid and grows their own food and hunts their own food and poops in a compostable toilet. And I... (laughs) You don't have to go that extreme. And when, I was, when I'm doing my research, I'm doing it now, I'm trying to learn about this. That's all I can find is the really extreme end. If, currently, if I go in and I start, if I search starting a sustainable lifestyle, sustainable living, I get tiny house plans and living off the grid and compostable toilets. And that's, that is not a reality for me at this moment in time. And I feel that's probably true for most people who have a house and a job that they have to drive to. And they have a lot of going on during the day, so they can't just grow their own food. They might have to go to the grocery store. So these are the in-between steps. And I, that's the purpose of this podcast, is to show you some of the in-between steps. It's just one more step. You don't have to be the extreme end, but whatever you are currently doing, let's do one more step. One more target, one more goal. We can all, if we all do it, we can achieve a lot. If we all do just a little bit more, we can achieve a lot. And that's my goal. That's really, really my goal. I do feel when it comes to podcasting, or I'm sorry, I take that back. (laughs) I am a little bit nervous here. When it comes to sustainable lifestyle or sustainable living, sometimes there are things that are going to be more expensive versus the cheaper disposable alternative, which is kind of backwards, but that's the reality. And so I'm not willing to spend five or $600 on a product when there is a disposable version for pennies. Okay. Maybe not that extreme, but for dollars. So I do want to also add into this podcast cost. What is realistic? What is cost effective? What is cost efficient? That's a huge determining factor. I I am a budgeter. <laughs> and my budget says I don't have that much money. <laughs> so whatever I'm doing, it also has to fit into my lifestyle and my budget. 
But there are definitely ways to make sustainable choices that are cost effective. For example, let's look at Ziploc bags versus Tupperware. I get into <clears throat> passionate educational moments with my husband. We have this debate. When he packs his lunch every day to go to work, he uses Ziploc bags. And it drives me nuts because we have Tupperware. I'm like, just use the Tupperware. He's like, nah, I'd rather use Ziploc bags. But don't you get it? <laughs> Even if you don't have either one, let's go to the grocery store and start from zero. Let's say we spend $2 on Ziploc bags for a box of Ziploc bags. Heck, let's go crazy. We're going to go with the store brand, not the name brand. We're going to spend $1 on the Ziploc bags, the box of Ziploc bags. That will last my husband one to two weeks. So we'll, we'll go $1 each week, just for simple math. So you can see over the course of a year, that's going to be $52 plus tax. <laughs> and that's just one year. And now you've also created all this pollution. I vote using the Tupperware. Let's say you have none. you got to buy it. You can get Tupperware pretty cheap. You can also get it really expensive. Don't get me wrong. But you can get it pretty cheap. You can get the Ziploc Tupperware. So what we'll say on the ex on the expensive end, you can you might invest ten dollars on your Tupperware. You can go to IKEA and get a whole kit of multiple sizes and lids of Tupperware for five dollars. If you're really cheap, you can, every time that you buy lunch meat, that plastic container that it comes in, save that and you can use that over and over again. But my point is, we'll compare the one dollar Ziploc a week on the low end versus $10 on the high end of Tupperware. One purchase and you're done. So you don't even have to do that every month. Just just one purchase and you're done. Do you get it? $10 for the Tupperware, you're good to go. For Let's be realistic. It's plastic. And it's going to take a minimum of 250 years to break down. So that is definitely going to, you're going to be set for life with that $10 purchase of Tupperware. You're set for your life and your kid's life and your grandkids' life. You can you can make that a family heirloom if you want to. And you can just keep on passing that down. Um, the only time that it's going to break down is if you accidentally set it on top of the hot stove and it's going to melt apart. <laughs> but other than that, it's lasting for a long, long time, a quarter of a century. But those Ziploc bags... We already said it's going to be $52 each year and keep going. But yes, I'm going to have to wash the Tupperware when I'm done using it. Okay, so we'll get into a little bit of science here. If you're putting chips in your Tupperware, like my husband does, chips, crackers, you can use, if, use the same one each day and probably wash it once a week. There is nothing on the chip that is going to have bacterial growth and microorganisms that's going to be dangerous. You can just wash that thing out once a week. You'll be fine. Now, if you put a, a meat and cheese sandwich with mayonnaise in your Tupperware and the mayonnaise and the meat touch the sides, which they will, yeah, you're going to want to wash that after each use because you don't want mayonnaise in there multiple uses. You're, you're going to end up getting a foodborne illness. But let's be smart about it. And honestly, you're doing dishes at night anyways. How much longer is it to wash one or two pieces of Tupperware from your lunch? Probably an extra 10 seconds. I think I think you can handle it. I know I can. I'm working on convincing my husband. I think it's <laughs> just got to keep. What I need to do is I need to, he goes grocery shopping. I need to take over grocery shopping. And then we're going to stop having the Ziploc bags. We'll just stick with the mounds of Tupperware that we currently have. And it is helpful. A helpful tip is once a year, Go through all of your Tupperware, match up the lids to the bottoms. Anything that doesn't match, 
find a way to reuse that <laughs> in another form. <laughs> because it really is a pain in the butt trying to find the lid that matches. I, I do get that. I do understand that. That's his biggest frustration. We'll move along. So we did touch on reduce, reuse, recycle. The three R's. So on any product that you get, we want to find, find a way to reduce the amount of times that you have to buy that, such as the Ziploc versus Tupperware. Reduce the amount of times that you have to buy it. Each time that you go to the store and have to buy something, think, how, how can I reduce the amount of purchases or even just the amount of usage? How can I reduce the amount of usage that I have on this? I'll get into that. Reuse, yeah, reusing stuff over and over again, that's definitely going to reduce the amount <laughs> of usages. And if you're not able to reduce the stuff that you need to buy or collect, if you try to reuse the items, like if you have a Tupperware with a hole in it, or old clothing, old curtains, find ways to reuse these items. Old cell phones, you can always donate those, especially to, to battered women's shelter and whatnot. There are places to, to, to donate all of the stuff that you no longer want. And then your last form should be recycling. That should not be your primary. That should be your last form. The last form is recycling. That means you're throwing it away and getting rid of it. So recycle it. So touching on those, reduce, reuse, recycle. I have five tips and tidbits that I would like to share with you. This would be your challenge for the next week. These are five tips and tidbits very easy to incorporate into your everyday lifestyle. Simple, simple, simple. I'm sure a majority of you already use reusable grocery bags. If you don't, I would like to encourage you to reuse re grocery bags. Use the reusable grocery bags. Ooh, sorry, that was a bit of a tongue twister. The problem with the reusable grocery bags is you always forget them. <laughs> so there are some things that you can do to counteract that. <clears throat> it does take a while to turn it into a habit to remember to do that, to remember to grab those. I keep, I have hordes of them. I really do. I have tons of these things. D really, you don't have to go out and buy these. I haven't bought any of mine. I've never bought any of mine. All of mine were given to me from friends, family, when I go to fairs or carnivals, Definitely conferences. They are always at conferences. The state fair. There are so many places that will just hand them out to you for free. So grab them. Start using them. You probably have friends and family who have extras as well, and I'm sure they are willing to share. So you, so you can do that. And it doesn't have to be the designated reusable grocery bag. You can use tote bags. You can use a backpack. You can use all sorts of other bags, drawstring bags. Sports bags, you can use whatever you want to put your stuff in. Really, if you're a person who takes the bus or rides their bike, a book bag is definitely the way to go. That's what I did when I was in college, and I didn't have a car and I had to ride my bike to the grocery store. Book bag all the way. That was the best way to transport groceries and stuff back and forth. But keep them in the car. You can also, if you don't want them in your car, some people are very clean with their car and don't want the bags in their car, then keep them by the front door. That way when you're on your way out, you will see them. 
and you can grab them. You can put your grocery list in there. You can put your car keys in there. Yes, for those of you who still put a list on paper, I know most people put them in the phone by now, but <laughs> you can put your car keys in there <laughs> and that will definitely help you remember because you'll get to your car and not be able to start it. So yeah, put your car keys in those bags. That will also help you remember to grab them. And there's another tip. If, if you do forget your grocery bags and you get someplace, if it's a small order, then you can just use your arms. And some places will keep boxes, like Aldi, Costco. Those places will have boxes on hand. So you could just grab a box and put the items in the box and carry the box out if you're really, really dedicated. But my challenge for you, once you start using reusable grocery bags, have you ever thought of using them outside of the grocery store? Yeah, that's something you can do. I definitely encourage this. You can use them at Lowe's or Home Depot or any home improvement store, use them at the Dollar Tree. Even when you go shopping at Goodwill, you can use them there. Or other closing stores like Kohl's or JCPenney's. You can use these things everywhere. There was a time before the plastic bags and people had to carry their own bags to stores in order to make purchases. And that's what I'm encouraging you to do. Let's revert back to that practice. So tidbit number two along the lines of the reusable grocery bags, did you know that there are such things as reusable produce bags? You know the produce bags when you step into the grocery store and you go get apples and bananas, carrots, celery, all your fruits and vegetables, and they have that little reel of the plastic bag. You lift it up and it has that little knuckle thing, so when you slide the bag across, it catches on that little knuckle attachment and it will separate the bag. Those little plastic bags, they're clear. Those are produce bags, and they make reusable ones. It's a very fine little netting, so you can still see through it, and it has a drawstring top, which is great because now, that's another thing I hate about the plastic produce bags. You have to use a twisty tie, and if they're all out of twisty ties, you have to tie it in a knot and to keep your stuff in it. And then when you get home, you can never undo that knot or even the twisty tie sometimes and you end up just ripping the plastic bag apart in order to get to your stuff. And now you really can't reuse that plastic bag because there's a giant hole in it. So reusable produce bags. You can buy those. If you don't want to buy them, you can definitely make them. Use old pillowcases, old t-shirts, curtains, bed sheets, basically any type of cloth or fabric, towels if you want, whatever you want. It, if you don't have the sewing skills, then by, by all means you can order some online or wherever. But if you do have the sewing skills, yeah, you can reuse some of your fabrics that you have lying around too. But these are cool, the reusable produce bags. I definitely enjoy the drawstring aspect. That is the coolest to me because I hate tying it into a knot and having to rip the bag open. Make sure you get enough though. I, I need to build my collection. I do not have enough of these. I have three, and I usually buy more than three different types of fruits and vegetables, so I do need to get some more. That's on my to-do list. Number three for your tips for next week, a reusable cup. That sounds so simple, a reusable cup. This is, this, there was a time before plastic bottles. I had to look this up. 1970s is when the plastic bottles, the plastic bottle beverages came about. I got that fact from RecycleNation.com, so I just want to give credit where credit is due. But it was the 1970s when plastic bottles were being used primarily for beverages and on the go. I remember growing up as a kid, my mom had this 
big plastic cup. It was a Coca-Cola cup. And had a big white, it was a big red cup that said Coca-Cola and white letterings. It had a big handle that was white. And it came with a plastic lid that snapped on. And a big heavy-duty plastic straw. It was re, this whole thing was reusable. And the straw even came with a little cap on top so you could cover the tip of your straw. And my mom took that thing with her everywhere she went. Water was in it, soda was in it, tea was in it, everything was in it. That went with her everywhere. That was her one and only cup. She used it all the time. And that was how she stayed hydrated. That was before the bottled beverages came around. Well, I guess they were they were there, but she didn't use them. They weren't so they 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 started in the seventies, but they weren't as cheap <laughs> or as easy. <laughs> but yeah. Just thinking about it, the bottled beverage the plastic bottled beverages, before that everything was aluminum cans and glass. And there is a big push to slowly start returning to the aluminum cans and the glass bottled beverages. I would love for that to come back. That would be so wonderful we could get that to come back. There are still countries that make glass. Like Mexican coats come in glass bottles. Even Coca-Cola at Christmas time comes in glass bottles. And there are a lot of cans, all recyclable. What I enjoy about the cans and even the plat is that... Uh, so the cans, in different states, you can get money back for them. So when you go to buy them, you have to put down a deposit. I know this happens up in Michigan. I'm not sure of all of the states, but I do know up in Michigan. I live in Indiana. We don't have this program. I wish we did. But I do know up in Michigan they have this program. If you buy a 12-pack, 24-pack, whatever of your cans, you will end up spending extra money because they're going to charge you a deposit on all of those canned items. When you're done drinking them all, you save them all, and then you bring them back to the, the store that you purchased from, or there are different locations, and you give them back, you put them through this machine, it will read the barcode, and then you'll see on the little screen, 10 cents, 20 cents, 30 cents, and so you'll get, you're basically getting your deposit back, but it really, really encourages and improves recycling rates. I wish all the states would do this. I don't know why this is even an option at this point. Let's just make it <laughs> mandatory for all the states in order to improve the recycling habits of people. The sorry, back onto the reusable cups. If you don't want to purchase a reusable cup, you don't have to. There are so many ways to get these for free. <laughs> I am sitting on gobs of them. Actually, just took a whole bunch of them to Goodwill. We probably had 20 of them. And there are only two of us. Well, it's my husband and I, and then we have a son who's 10 months old, so he's not really using them. But we don't really need 20 of them among the three of us. We really just need two or three. One each and a spare. So I narrowed them all down. Kept the ones that were my favorite, that had the best features, and all the rest I donated. But if, I mean, so you can get them used. You can get them at Goodwill, Salvation Army. You can get them off of Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace, you can get them used. Honestly, you could probably just find friends and family and ask, hey, do you have any extras that you would like to get rid of? I'm happy to take them off of your hands. And they will do that. Again, you can get them at fairs, conferences, festivals. They're handed out. We moved to Franklin, Indiana a little over a year ago, and I had to find a new dentist. So I went to the dentist. And they gave me a reusable cup. And my husband also got a reusable cup because he went to the dentist and he, we were new, new patients, which is wonderful. And the same thing happened. We needed to find a new church home because we were coming up from Florida, so we couldn't exactly commute back to our old church. So we found a new church home, and we were there, and we said, hey, we're brand new. We like your church. And they said, great, here's a T-shirt and a reusable bottle, reusable water bottle. 
So it's very simple, at, at least in my experience, to find free or super duper cheap reusable bottles. So you do not have to pay for these. This is not an expensive route to go. So far, all these have been free. The reusable grocery bag, you can get those for free. The produce bags, I have not found free ones of those, but I'm sure they are coming because they're pretty new. But you can definitely make your own for super cheap. You could probably buy some relatively cheap online. Reusable cups, very free. And number four is reusable straws. They do make these. You can get metal reusable straws or a hard plastic reusable straw. You do have to make sure that you clean these. <laughs> these will har if you're, these will harbor bacteria, so you do need to clean these, just like you have to clean your reusable cup. Another thing you can do is just skip the straw altogether. You don't really have to have a straw. It blows my mind, because I work in a cafeteria, how everybody comes through the line and they grab a straw. And I just don't understand why they feel that they have to have a straw. When I'm at home, or when you are at home, do you use a straw? I definitely don't. I'm not using straws. And I don't know where this comes from when you go to a cafeteria, or a restaurant, or a coffee shop, where you feel you must have a straw. In fact, if the waitress forgets to give you a straw, you almost feel upset by this. You feel entitled. Where is my straw? I need my straw. To drink out of a cup? that You do, you do that every day at home. I don't know why you suddenly have to have a plastic straw. But you can easily just skip the straw. The straw sounds so small and minute, but it is a plastic that is not recyclable. In the U.S. alone, just the United States alone, we consume 500 million straws a day. Per day! 500 million straws per day! That's crazy. You want to know how crazy that is? If you put all those straws together and made a big line, it would wrap around the earth two and a half times per day. That's why this ban the straw thing you might have heard about is starting to come up. City by city, they're banning straws and they're trying to go zero plastic. But the straws, they're non-recyclable. They're non so where do they go? Into the garbage can, right? Yeah, and then after the garbage can, where? Into landfills, into waterways, into the earth. And like I said before, they're small and minute and very easy for animals to digest and to clog things up. They just, the replications, the ramifications, sorry, the ramifications are big with these little tiny straws. They do cause a lot of damage, and that's why there's a big push to skip the straw. So feel free to do that. The next time you're out and about and you get a drink, get you try to get it in your your own reusable cup first some places won't do that because of sanitation or or health department issues and that's fine at least then try to get a paper cup that you can recycle make sure it goes in the recycling bin and skip the straw and your last of your five tidbits is the next time that you have to buy hand soap try to buy the bar and just skip the plastic altogether very simple it's not cheap. I'm sorry, it's not expensive. It's very cheap. The liquid soap that comes in the plastic bottle, that actually tends to be more expensive because it does not last nearly long as the bar soap does. And the bar soap is definitely cheaper. No plastic involved. If it comes with a covering, it's usually a paper covering, so you can recycle that. And it lasts a lot longer. The only nuisance about the bar of soap is that when you set it on the edge of the sink, it tends to roll around and sometimes fall in the sink. 
can easily get a soap dish. You can get a little sponge and set the bar on top of the sponge. You can get a washcloth and set the bar on top of the washcloth. There, there are a lot of simple solutions. So, no excuse. The next time that you need to buy soap, buy the bar instead. These are your five tips and tidbits. So I've explained the podcast, why I'm into podcasting, why I'm into this podcast, why I'm starting this podcast, why I'm passionate about sustainability, and your five tips and tidbits that you can do over the next week. At least try them over the next week. Hopefully some of them will stick for a lifetime, but I want you to at least try it. These are simple, easy little things. So folks, that's about the end of my time. Thank you so much for listening to my very first episode of Starting Sustainability. I look forward to your comments and your feedback. You can email me at Kaylin, that's my name, K-A-Y-L-I-N, Kaylin at startingsustainability.com. And you can even check out my website, startingsustainability.com. Thank you again. I appreciate it. And I'll talk to you next time.